What a wonderful morning of worship already today. I hope that your heart's been moved and stirred as we've lifted our voices, our hearts before the Lord in worship this morning. I invite you to open your Bible and find with me those who are at home and those here in the building today. If you'll look with me to Revelation chapter number five, and we're going to begin with verse number one. Do you have your copy of God's word? I hope that you do. And you'll look with me to the book of Revelation. We're in chapter number five. And we'll begin with verse number one. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth, or under the earth, was able to open the scroll, or even to look in it. I wept and wept, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll, or even to look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. And he's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Because you were slaughtered and you purchased for people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign on earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also the living creatures and of the elders. And their number was countless, thousands plus thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say, blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be to the one seated on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, 
men. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Woo! Hallelujah. Father, I pray that you would speak to us from this text today. And Father, we might understand the greatness of Jesus and the greatness of what he's done for us. Father, I pray that we would set aside all the things that would distract us today. And we would focus on you and watch how you have loved us through Jesus Christ, your son. Lord, if there's one person today that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, I pray that today they might turn from their waywardness and sinfulness and their rebellion, and they might turn to Christ and be saved. Father, have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Revelation is a revelation given to the Apostle John, and it's been preserved by the Holy Spirit in this great book we have called the book of Revelation. It is a book that is filled with signs and symbols and word pictures and dramatic scenes. It's different than most of the Bible literature in that it's apocalyptic literature. It's filled with all these signs and drama. It is written by the pen by the Apostle John in an experience that he had as an old man. John is one of the early followers of Jesus. He's part of that Galilean fisherman band that followed Christ, along with his brother James, the sons of Zebedee, nicknamed the Sons of Thunder, along with Peter and Andrew. They are followers of Jesus, and they were changed by Jesus. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were part of the inner circle of Christ when he took them Peter, James, and John, up to the Mount of Transfiguration. There they saw wonders that all the other apostles didn't see, the same that they did. He was close to Christ. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved, he was called. He lays his breast on Jesus, his head on Jesus' chest at the Lord Last Supper. He is, he's close to him from the cross. He is told by the Lord, this is your mother now. And Mary is taken into his own home. He's a disciple who loved Christ. And he becomes, as an older man, the pastor of the church in Ephesus in Asia Minor. He's written the Gospel of John and 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and this great book of Revelation. As an old man... He is banished in a prison island called Patmos. And there on Patmos Isle, he has this great revelation that's been recorded for us in Scripture. God reveals things to him, not only about the work of Christ, but about the future for all of us. And so we have this. In the midst of John's loneliness and grief, experiencing great tragedy and grief and probably wonders about the coming again of Jesus. His own brother had been early martyred for his faith. And here he is 
in hours of loneliness and fear and wondering about his own future, he draws near to God and God draws near to him and gives him this great book. As we look at it together today, I want us to notice the scene in the throne room. In chapter number five, we're in the throne room of heaven. Now, really to understand the scene, we need to look back into chapter number four. And so that's what we're going to do now. It says in verse one, I saw of chapter five, verse one, I saw on the right hand of the one seated on the throne. So they're in the throne room. They're near the throne of God. And John is seen into this throne room. Now let's back up into chapter number four. And it says in verse one, after this, I looked and there were in heaven was an open door. And the first voice that I heard speaking to me was a trumpet, like a trumpet that said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. And immediately I was in the spirit and there was a throne in heaven and someone seated on it. And notice here's where John's at. He's in the throne room of heaven. Can you imagine? And there's one seated on the throne. Who sits on the throne? The Father. Notice in verse number three, the one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone. Beautiful jasper, clear, brilliant, diamond-esque, carnelian, red crystal, brilliant. And the appearance of emerald in a rainbow, completely surrounding the throne. Can you imagine the light show that was? And God's presence right there. And around the throne, in this throne room, are 24 thrones. And on the thrones sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. Who are these? Who are these elders sitting on these thrones? Well, they get some clues. It says they're clothed in white robes. And on their head sits crown. Who has the crown but those who've experienced victory. And who has white robes except those people who have faithfully followed God? It's God's people. It's God's people, Old Testament and New Testament. The 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, the 24, on these thrones and have conquered. Flashes of lightning rumblings. Folks, as we read this today, what we don't want to do is put some kind of exacting criticism on every line in this text, trying to figure out what everything means. You'll ruin the impact that it wants to have on you. It's to move you. It is a drama of heaven. Watch. Let your heart feel it. Imagine you're caught up and you experience this vision. 
Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder come from the throne. And seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now the word seven means fullness and completeness. It's the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. And something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures, covered with eyes in front and in back, were around the throne on each side. Hmm. Who are these creatures? These creatures, they're, they're around the throne. And they're worshiping and serving the one who sits on the throne. They are majestic, huge creatures, unlike anything on earth. Notice how they're described. They're covered with eyes in front and in back and are around the throne on each side. Encircling around the throne are these four living creatures. In verse 7, the first living creature was like a lion. Its face looks like a lion. The second living creature is like an ox. A great servant beast. The third living creature had the face like a man. And the fourth living creature was a flying eagle. Wow. This is similar to the description of the cherubs, the cherubim that are found in Ezekiel chapter 1 and Ezekiel chapter 10. They have these faces, the faces of a lion, which is majestic and kingly on all of the animal order. There's the, the face of an ox, a servant, and strength. The face of a man filled with reason and authority, made in the image of God. The face of an eagle, the greatest of the birds of prey. And so you see these images. And then they're covered with wings. In Ezekiel, they have four wings. But here, they have six wings. Like the seraphs, the seraphim that are found in Isaiah chapter 6. And notice, it's like Isaiah 6 in verse number 8. The four of the living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 kadosh, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is who is to come. Whew. I have a picture there of the four living creatures. Just an artist idea what that might look like. The face of a lion. The face of an ox. The face of a man. And the face of an eagle. Of course, you can think artistically about what these might look like. You see the different wings that are on them, but I don't think any artist could really do it. Do exactly what John saw, but it was amazing. 
And notice in this throne room, they're saying a continuously, day and night, never stopping. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. There's none like you. You always have been. You always be. You, you are who was, who is, who is to come. You are. You exist. You're not the greatest. You are. You're the, be, you're the being before all other beings. You are. And you exist. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne, every time they break out in holy, 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 there's an immediate reaction from the 24 elders. Verse 10. The 24 elders fall down. They fall on their face before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crown. They, the NIV says they lay their crowns, but really it, it it's, it means to cast them, ekbalo. It means to throw them, cast them. They cast their crowns before the throne. And they say, our, our Lord and God, you're worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you created all things. And by your will they exist and they were created. In this throne room, the worship of the one who sits on the throne by all of the elders and all the four living creatures and all of the angels and all of the host of heaven is directed toward God who sits on the throne because he is unlike any other. He is, he was, he always will be, and he created everything that exists. It's right to worship God, our creator. Amen. Now, chapters and verses were added to the Bible many years later. It wasn't written in chapter and verses. And so this story of the throne room, just ignore the chapter and verse. Flows right into chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of the one sitting on, a throne, on, the, on the throne a scroll. Literally, it says, laying on top of his hand. Balanced on his hand is a scroll. Let's talk about that scroll. In verse 1 and 2, it is sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. This scroll, what is it? It's written on both sides. There's writing on both sides, which seems unusual. It, it is sealed completely with seven seals. It's wax seals that maybe tied and waxed, sealed, shut completely. A scroll, this is not a book like this, but it was a scroll made out of papyrus, perhaps. It could be parchment. 
Parchment is made from an animal skin, but papyrus is made from a plant. They take the papyrus strips and they tear them and glue them, and they would be horizontal strips and then vertical strips and then pressed together and then made glued together to make a long scroll, maybe two or three meters long. It's rolled up. And this is a legal document, so it has been witnessed to as a legal document. Some scholars believe it's like the title deed of earth. It is the one who's paid the price for the inheritance, and it has been sealed in a title deed, and the price has been paid for that inheritance, and only the one in authority is the one that can open it. I have a picture of a scroll. It's in this scroll are these seven seals. It's closed completely and only one who is worthy to open that scroll was the one who has the authority, the contract and legal authority to open it up. It is God's plan it is God's plan for his righteous judgment on this earth. It is God's plan to execute his purposeful redemption and the will of God on this earth. And who has the right to execute the very plan of God? And so that begs the question in verse number two. A mighty angel steps forward. Do you see it? Look with me. A mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? In order to have the authority to do that, it must be the authority of the rights of purchase. But notice, the search that takes place. And it says in verse number three, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look in it. There was no one worthy. They looked all over heaven and there was no one worthy. None of the patriarchs were worthy. Abraham's not worthy. Isaac, not worthy. Jacob, no, not worthy. Joseph, no, not worthy. Judah, no, not worthy. Moses, no. Moses isn't worthy. Aaron, from the priest, no. Aaron's not worthy either. One of the prophets, Isaiah, no, not worthy. Jeremiah, no, not worthy. Zechariah, no, not worthy. James, John's brother, martyred, no, not worthy. No one in all of heaven.
They look on earth. They look at all the kings and emperors and all the people. No one worthy. Peter's not worthy. Luke's not worthy. Levi's not worthy. Mary, the mother of Jesus, not worthy. No one's worthy to open the scroll. They look under the earth in the realm of the dead. Anyone who's ever lived. But there's none. No. No one's worthy. And John begins to weep. He weeps uncontrollably in deep grief because there's no one worthy. What if, I'm going to ask you a question. What if there were no Christmas? What if there was never a Christmas? What if there was a never a cross? What if there was never an incarnation? What if there was never the death of a Savior? What if there was never a resurrection of a conquering king? Where would we be? Where would we be? We would be lost in our sin. And we would have no hope in this world. And John wept. And he wept. And then, <laughs> and then, something awesome happens. An elder steps forward. Notice, look at me, the text. And one of the elders said to me, he said, do not weep. Look, behold, look. The lion from the tribe of Judah. The root of David. Has conquered. So he's able. To open the scroll. And it's seven seals. Because he's worthy. And why is he worthy? Because he's conquered. He is a conquering. Worthy. King. Amen. Where is he from? He's from the tribe of Judah. Why is he called a lion? Fulfillment of the prophecy in Genesis 49. That from the tribe of Judah would come the kings over Israel. And he's the lion, majestic ruler not only that, he's the root of David. What does that mean? He comes from the lineage of David. He not only is the shoot that comes out of the stump of David, but it says in this text, he's the root of David himself. What does this mean? Jesus is not only David's son. Jesus was David's Lord. Amen. Amen. And so his weeping begins to cease. And he says he's conquered. So he is worthy to open the scroll. And so John missed it. 
I didn't see a lion. I didn't see the Messiah. And he's looking. And he sees a lamb. A lamb? A lamb as if it had been slain, slaughtered. And he said, a lamb. He's, he's slaughtered. And yet he's standing. He's alive. Not dead. Wow. Because he's conquered. Ooh, isn't that good? The image moves ra rapidly here. It moves from it moves from a lion image to Davidic lingu image language to a lamb. And Jesus is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Who had been slaughtered but now standing, risen from the dead. To a picture of a ram with horns and strength and power and seven eyes. What does that mean? Means all seven, seven, remember, fullness, completeness, all powerful and all knowing. He's omnipotent and omniscient. He is king. Woo! That's my Jesus. Amen. Amen. And he's standing where? I have a picture of this, I think. One more image. Ah, you see, it's just an artist's idea. You see the blood on his neck where he's been slain? You see now, the word used for lamb means a pet little lamb, a tiny lamb. But now we see this lamb that was slaughtered with these horns and these eyes. And he's standing. What does the text say? Look with me. In the midst of the throne. He's right there at the throne. And John just kind of missed it. If, it's not, if you're not careful, you'll overlook Jesus and his greatness. And he's standing victorious. And now the center of focus has shift from the one on the throne to the lamb that is standing. And everything is focused on the lamb. And notice what the lamb does. Notice what he says, what he does. And he went and he took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. He has right and authority to do it. Because he has all authority. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. He has authority. And he takes it in his own hand. And he will unseal its seals. And he will execute the plan of God on the earth. Some of y'all worried about wringing your hands. Worried about what's happening in Israel, what's happening about the nations against Israel, what's happening in the war, what's happening with the Chinese, what's happening in the government, what's happening with Trump or not Trump. Y'all worry 
Can I tell you what? Stop it. Because the Lamb is standing in the midst of the throne room. And He's carrying out His judgment in this world. And God's righteous plan, God's righteous judgment, and God's planned redemption of mankind. And all the created order. Wow. These seven eyes represents the seven spirits, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he is the Lion of Judah. He is the descendant of David. And he is the Paschal Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. He is the perfect sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats could never take away our sin, but it had to be one like us who lived a holy life, and that's Jesus. And he died not for any sin but he had committed, but for our sins. And the one who knew no sin, he became sin on our part that we might become the righteousness, righteousness of God in him. It is, it is, his righteousness is given to us. This is an amazing thought. Because he's purchased us with his own blood. And notice what happens when he takes the scroll, the four living creatures who had fallen down at the throne before and worshipped God as creator, the four living creatures and the 24 elders encircling around the throne and the lamb standing in the middle of the throne and they all focus their attention and they fall down and with harps of singing and praising and then bowls. Bowls filled with all of the prayers of all of the saints. And can I share something with you? Every prayer that his saints pray is never lost. Your prayers are never lost. They never are lost or forgotten or misplaced. I have a, my inbox on my email is stupidly full all the time. And sometimes I don't even look at it. But there's not a prayer that you pray that God doesn't hear it and it comes before his throne and it's precious to him wow and they sang a new song some of you have an aversion for anything that sounds new It's a fresh song. It's a song unlike any other song. And they sang, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Because you were slaughtered. And you purchased for people, purchased people for God by your own blood from every tribe and language and nation, and people. Amen. You're worthy. You are worthy because of what you have done. Because of this reason, you are worthy. You were slain. You purchased. You paid the purchase price. And you have made us to become a kingdom of priests to rule and to reign. Wow, isn't that amazing? He has done this. Only he has. 
He is the one who's paid the price. He is the one alone who is worthy. And, and I heard every creature, verse 13, in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them. And this is the refrain they're, sing, they're singing. Blessing and honor and glory and power to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever and ever. Amen. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. He says in verse number 11, I looked and I saw myriads and myriads and myriads times myriads, thousands times ten thousands, millions and millions and millions of angels. And they were singing. And the 24 elders singing. And the church of Christ singing. And the living creatures singing. Worthy is he. There's none like Jesus. There's only one. Amen. To receive honor and glory and power. Why? Because you have redeemed. You've paid the price. And you have saved us. And you have overcome. Amen. And it says in verse number 14, the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Amen. You want to know how peace will come on this earth? It's by the Prince of Peace and his rule in your life. That's the only way true peace is found. It's in Jesus Christ. And it says in Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will sup or fellowship with him and him with me. I will give you real peace. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. You know what? All we like sheep have gone astray, haven't we? We've all turned our own wrong way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on whom? On him. He was slain for us. But remember what Jesus told Pilate. He said, I lay my life down my life willingly. And if I have authority to lay it down, I have authority to raise it back up. All authority is his. Woo! Man, awesome. What a savior we have. Those shepherds were out in the keeping watch over their fields that night, just minding their own business and minding the sheep, doing what they're supposed to do. 
And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared. Do you remember that story? And an angel of the Lord appeared. And they were so afraid. And he said, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy. That will be what? For, for all people. For born for you this day in David's town, the city of David, is a Savior who's Christ the Lord. Amen. Woo! And suddenly with the angel was a multitude of heavenly hosts singing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill for all men. When the angels left, they turned to each other and said, let's make haste and go see this thing which has been told unto us. And they made their way to Bethlehem and they searched until they found the child. They'd been told, this will be a sign for you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And they found the mother and the father and the baby, just as it had been told them. Lying in a manger. They went looking for a king. And they found a lamb. The lamb of God. That would take away the sin of the world. But a lamb. Who would stand. In the throne room of heaven. And give peace. To all. Who put their faith in him. That is the greatest news in all the world. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It's powerful. It's true. It's life changing. And Father, I pray that today there's somebody here that has never prayed to receive Christ as Savior. That today, they might pray a prayer like this. Dear God, I've made a mess of my life. I've gone the wrong way and I've rebelled and I've sinned and I've done things wrong and I've hid it and lied about it. And God, you know I've been so broken by my own sin and so messed up. I don't even know how to get back right with you, God. But I believe that Jesus is your son, and I believe that he died for my sin. I don't know what to do, but I'm turning to you, and I'm trusting in Christ, and I ask you to forgive me and come into my life and to save me. Dear God, I call on you. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, if someone has prayed that prayer with me this morning, I pray that they would tell others, I'm trusting Christ today as my Savior. I'm coming home to God, who alone can give me real peace with God. In Jesus' name, amen.